Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, when my uh, brother and I were little kids, we used to periodically get into my dad's tools. And my dad had tools in two different places. My dad had tools in a cabinet, which were like the tools that everybody uses, hammers and saws and wrenches and pliers and screwdrivers, you know, the, the regular tools. But then my dad had this toolbox. And it was a cast iron toolbox. It was about two and a half foot wide. And he had a lock on it. But every once in a while, he would forget to put the lock back on. And it had special tools. He was an engineer. And so he had these special tools in there. And one of the tools was this weird thing that I figured out later as I got older was a plumb bob. Does anyone know what a plumb bob is? A plumb bob is, you know, they come in different shapes and forms, and and if it's a fancy one, it almost looks like a little missile, you know? But the old-style plumb bobs, you know, even though it's not spelt the same, it kind of looks almost like a plumb. You know, it's kind of this fat little lead thing, you know, that is, is almost looking like a sinker. You know, a big sinker that you would fish with. And my brother and I had no idea what it was for, but we used to throw it around, thought it was really cool. It was made out of lead, and it was really heavy. But it's interesting, this reading from Amos that talks about the plumb line uses a plumb bob. And there's words like plummet, That, you know, plummet, something falls to the earth really quickly, is taken from the word plumb or plumb bob. A plumb, something that stands up straight, gives you a clue what a plumb bob or a plumb line is used for. It's really used by engineers, and it goes back to ancient Egypt, by the way. For building a wall straight, which is really important for buildings, but back in the day of Amos... And such people as Nehemiah were building walls around a city to keep them secure and safe. And so plumb lines were really, really critical for engineers. And I mean, just to think about it just for a second, it was developed in ancient Egypt. And what do we know about Egyptians and their engineering? They were pretty decent. The pyramids and the Sphinx that are still in existence today, they knew what they were doing. Now, By and large today, most engineers don't use plumb lines, although some of them probably should. (laughs) If you see some of the walls that have been built today. But it's really an incredible instrument. And so Amos uses this analogy given to him by the Lord about a plumb line and measuring God's people. 
And you know the reality is we measure all the time. Think about how much we measure probably almost daily. You know, it's, it's amazing just thinking about the last few months and how many times I was asked when our two grandsons were born, well, how big were they? You know, how, how much did they weigh and how long were they? You know, people ask those questions all the time. And still to this day, I went to the doctor, you know, for kind of an annual checkup, and they still ask the same questions. How much do you weigh and how tall are you? The same questions. It's amazing. And what's interesting over the years is one is shrinking and the other's getting bigger. And we measure our blood, blood tests. And we measure people in other ways. Think about how you measure people when you look at people. How they dress, how they appear. You measure whether people are safe. Whether you might want to be friends with them. And so the Lord says to Amos, I'm measuring my people. I'm measuring my people according to the covenant that I have made with them, which where do we find the covenant? In the Word of God. The Word of God, also sometimes called the canon of Scripture, which is the word canon means measuring rod. It's that by which we measure. God is saying, I'm measuring my people. And let's be clear about that. There's really no reason to measure people who don't believe in God according to the word of God because they don't fear the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is taking God's word and practically applying it to our lives. Why would people who don't believe in God, why would people who don't fear the Lord, that is stand in awe of him, Want to follow his word? Why would they? Who's the God of their lives? They are. Whose word are they going to follow? Their own. Or someone else's, some expert they believe. The culture, the world, whatever they believe is going to get them ahead. And what's surprising sometimes is when the religious leaders do that kind of game. Like in the reading from Amos, Amaziah. Amaziah, who's the priest of Bethel. And by the way, Bethel was one of the shrines. It was, it's where one of the big altars was. It would be like during Jesus' day at the temple, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Who actually lived contrary to God's way. Who actually misled people. Because they did their own spin on God's word and God's law and God's covenant. Because their character was not what God would have them be in terms of their character and the fruit that they bore with their lives. Because God's way isn't just about being legalistic and obeying the law. It's about our character. It's about our person. It's about the Holy Spirit transforming our hearts and lives. 
And so Amos, being God's mouthpiece, says, God is going to use a plumb line to measure his people. Because his people are not living according to the covenant. They don't have a heart for God. And in fact, they're being led by, as Ezekiel would call them in Ezekiel 34, false shepherds. And what does Amaziah actually say? He says, Amos, why don't you leave here? We don't really want to hear it. Interesting. Why don't you go to the south, to Judah? Because the priest is perfectly comfortable, complacent. And oh, by the way, the king lives here and he's perfectly comfortable and complacent. Life is fine. We don't want to hear from you. So here's the context. The context in Amos chapter 7 actually is that Amos is multiplying. Anytime you see three in Scripture, it's important to understand that three means this is really important, number one, and this is going to happen, number two. Okay? And so Amos uses three analogies to the fact that judgment is coming. Number one, locusts. Number two, flame. And number three, the plumb line. So what God is saying through Amos is the judgment is going to come. And Amos, by the way, is just a shepherd. He is not a priest. And he basically says, I'm not a prophet. The context is, if you go back to Amos 1, verse 1, we're told Amos is a shepherd from Tekoa. Bethel is this wonderful city where there's this big shrine. It's where the king and the priest lives. And Amos is this little shepherd from Tekoa. Now, who else do we know that was a shepherd? King David. Who else do we know that was a shepherd? A good shepherd. Jesus. What else was Jesus? A carpenter's son. Isn't it interesting that God chooses these commoners from little towns? And he chooses people who are willing to exhort. And let me explain the word exhort if you don't understand the word exhort. The word exhort has a combination to it. It's encourage, but it's also to warn. It has two sides. It's like a two-edged sword. The Spirit of God, the Word of God, is like a two-edged sword. That's meant to cut to our heart. So that we understand on the one hand that God wants to encourage us and bless us and fill us. But on the other hand, if our lives don't conform, to warn us and admonish us. Let me read to you one of my favorite passages about Scripture. And it comes from 2 Timothy. All Scripture is inspired by God. In other words, the Word of God is God-breathed, filled with the Spirit of God. And is useful for teaching, positive for reproof, for correction. We don't particularly like those words. 
We don't necessarily like to be corrected. We don't often stand in line and say, ooh, me next, correct me. And yet that's what God does. God does through his teachers and his preachers and his prophets. And for training in righteousness, why? So that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. That's what God wants us to do. God wants us to work for good, for his people, for the world. And so God sends Amos out to exhort. God sends the apostles out, if you read Mark chapter 6, which we read this morning, to exhort. To admonish the people, to urge the people, to build the people up, but also to warn the people, say, there is judgment coming. And he sends commoners a lot of time. When he sends people out into the world, it's not always the professionals. Did you ever notice that? How many people can I reach? I'm one person. There's a lot more of you. Why is it that we think the ordained people, the ones who have been to seminary, the ones who, you know, have the collars, are the ones who should reach everybody? Why is that? I think a lot of times it's because people want to take themselves off the hook. Guess what? You're not. Who did God use? He used shepherds. He used carpenters. He used fishermen. He used tax collectors. He used a mishmash of people, social misfits, to reach the world with his message. In fact, that's even what Amos said to Amaziah. He said, look, I am not a prophet. I am not a prophet's kid. I didn't choose to do this. God Said. That's the key. God said. What did Jesus say? Go and make disciples. What did Jesus say? You will be my witnesses. It's God who calls us. Follow me. And then bring my word out to a world that desperately needs to know my word. He calls commoners. People who are just normal, regular people. To go out into the world to reach people. You know, most of the time when I'm talking to people about the Lord, I don't have my collar on. When I'm doing ministry amongst people of the church, I have my collar on. But a lot of times when I'm talking to people about the Lord who may or may not have any idea who I am, for example, I'm in my gym clothes. Right, Mary Lou and Rick? Right? Working out. And people have no idea who I am. I don't wear my collar when I work out. I really don't. I don't wear my collar when I play golf. We're all called 
to be his voice, his mouthpiece. Once we know him. To reach out to a world that desperately needs to know. How, how long were the apostles walking with Jesus? When he sent them out in the gospel reading for t- today? A few months? They didn't have all the answers. They weren't perfect. They were just willing to go. Because they had been impacted by Jesus. See, that's the key. Once we have an open heart to the Lord, like Amos, out in the field, and the Lord spoke to his heart and touched his heart, and he was willing to respond, like the apostles, when Jesus spoke to them and then said, follow me, and they followed him. That's what he's looking for. People who have an open heart, a humble heart, a teachable heart. That he can use. That seeks to love him and walk in that covenant relationship with him. He just wants people that are, here's the word, faithful. I had a new clergyman this week that I had coffee with. New to the island. He's a great guy. And I think he's going to do well. And he said to me, I can't believe you've been here 26 years. And I said, me neither. And he said, what do you think it is that's allowed you to do ministry here this long? And I said, I've just tried to be faithful. I said, there's nothing flashy about this. I said, there's no program. It's just about walking with the Lord, not doing anything stupid or illegal. It's just about being faithful. I said, you just love the Lord and you love your people. That's what it is. And he just kind of shook his head and smiled. He said, I get it. God is just looking for faithful people. That's what he's looking for. People who are willing to say, I just want to walk with you. And empty themselves and be filled with his spirit. That's what he's looking for. People who are not judgmental. When you bring his word, and sometimes you exhort people, they're going to feel... Judgment, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's okay. As long as we are not the one judging. Because when you bring His Word, sometimes people come under conviction. And people can respond like Amaziah. Get out of here. They don't want to hear it. We'd rather you go someplace else. Or they're going to respond with an open heart and a transformed life. You know, I've been reading Proverbs in my time with the Lord daily the past week or two. And as I quoted out of chapter 1, 
the fear of God or the awe of God, if you want to read it that way, when you are in awe of what he's done for you. It's the beginning of wisdom that you're willing to receive his word and have your life transformed by his Holy Spirit. Then there begins this wordplay in the rest of chapter 1 and 2 and 3. And the wordplay is with this phrase, turn away or turning away. And one of the famous verses right around there, too, is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Great verses to memorize if you don't know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path Straight. There's the plumb line. He will make your path straight. But there's this phrase that's used on and off and alluded to throughout. It's turn away. So you can turn away from the Lord. And follow the way of the world or follow the way of whatever expert you want to follow or follow the way of the crowd. And turn away from the Lord. Or you can turn away from evil. The word turning away is also the word, by the way, repent. It's the first word out of Jesus' mouth when he began his public ministry. It's the first word that when the crowd listened to Peter... Preach his first sermon and said, well, what must, what must we do? And <clears throat> Peter said, repent. It's that turning away from the way that would be contrary to the Lord's, whether it's my way or the world's way or someone else's way that would lead us astray. It's saying, in effect, yes, Lord. I want to follow you. I want to listen to your call. I want to live according to your covenant. Why? Why? Because Jesus died on the cross for me. Because he loved me so much. That I want to respond. I want to follow him. I want to be his servant. I want to be as if a shepherd or a carpenter or a fisherman. I just want to be faithful. I don't need a seminary degree. I don't need to be a priest. You don't need position or prestige or power or wealth. You just need to be faithful. That's his call. Like Amos, like the apostles, to follow it. Let's pray. Lord, you don't call us to be better than others. You call us merely to love you and to love others and to be faithful. Faithful to your word. 
and faithful to bring your word into the lives of others. Lord, the call is simple, as the plumb line is a simple tool. Simply to receive the gift that you've given us in Jesus. Simply to take your word into our hearts and lives and follow you. And simply to go out into the world living your word and proclaiming your word. Lord, help us simply to be faithful. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.